Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you. Well, uh, when I woke up this morning, uh, even though it's one year to the day, February 1st, 2022, uh, that Tom Brady retired the first time for all of 40 days. When I woke up this morning, I did not expect to get a Tom Brady retirement announcement. And I guess it says a lot about Tom Brady uh, and, and how long he's played and how well he's played for this long, that it surprises me when a 45-year-old decides that he's had enough of playing pro football. So he said for good. This is not me being cynical. I'm just not so sure. Because again, even though he's been playing for 23 years and he's 45 years old, this feels rushed. And maybe I had just kind of gotten my mouth all ready for some orange juice or a Tom Brady sweepstakes of sorts, you know, a flirtation at least with the 49ers or the Raiders, um, you know, or, or, or maybe he goes back to the Bucks given the changes. I, I guess I just, I wasn't ready. You know, I mean, who cares if I was ready? I mean, obviously it's his decision, but I was like, wait a second, this, this feels like it kind of came out of nowhere. And I wonder. If it's um, if he's emotional, if he's exhausted, uh, he's clearly emotional in announcing his retirement. But is he is he is he just exhausted from a, a, a from a trying year on and off the field? Um, he's played so well for so long and is still playing at a high level. I think I'm higher on his level of play than most people are. We'll get into that in a second. Um, so it just doesn't feel like a guy who was clearly on the way out. Um, his retirement a year ago this time was less surprising to me than this one because it was like, well, last year, at least if you go based on some sort of script, some sort of movie script, not an 80 for Brady script, but a script nonetheless, last year was like, well, you know, he won the Super Bowl, came back to see if he could do it again just to kind of, you know, get out of his system and then he's going to retire. Um, this year, it's like, well, wait a second, man. I thought you were about to go see what else was out there, see if there was another opportunity for you, which maybe there wasn't, uh, according to reports. So uh, I would not be surprised what I'm getting at is if we saw him again uh, after the dust has settled and after he's had some time to process this. So I'm not holding him to the for good this time, even though he came off as sincere. Um, interested in the fallout. Uh, when it comes to the teams that I mentioned in their quarterback situations. And also, you know, listen, we've, we've been talking about Brady's legacy and how great he is, uh, even when he, you know, in the middle of the season. We never missed an opportunity to talk about the greatness of Tom Brady, giving him his flowers. Uh, but 
I've seen a lot of headlines, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of stories talking about the greatest player in NFL history. I've never been comfortable with that title, and I will get into that as well. Uh, let's get into it, my guys. Uh, Mike Jones from the Athletic, Charles Robinson, of course from Yahoo Sports. Uh, good to see you, fellas. I know y'all are surprised to see me. Um, when, when, when our producers booked you, you, you thought it was Michael Holly. I'm here on a Wednesday. I have not retired from this show. Uh, I'm not even part-time. I'm full-time still. So it's good to see you two fellas. Appreciate y'all coming through. All right, Charles, I know nothing should surprise us at this point. Uh, nothing certainly surprises you. Did you have an inkling that this was coming? And what was this about? Was this simply he's just tired of playing football? Or did this have more to do with the lack of options on the market because we know there had to be some conversations going on behind the scenes with other teams potentially. Right. You know, I think the process that was interesting over the last month is you felt like things whittled down. Like at first it was, what about Tennessee and Mike Vrabel and the relationship there? What's he going to do with Sean Payton? Potentially Sean Payton's next decision could impact him. What about the Miami Dolphins and Tua's health? Um, it got to a point where I think if you really counted the number of teams that were speculatively tied to him, um, it was like a dozen. Now, realistically, it was maybe four or five, but as time moved on, it really started to feel like it was going to be Tampa or retirement. We talked about this on Monday. It felt like it was going to be Tampa or retirement or maybe a late sudden change with San Francisco because of the Brock Purdy um, injury and what would the assessment be with Brock Purdy? If he had to have elbow surgery, was this going to be a one-year layoff? We found out it's it's looking like potentially six months, which would put Brock Purdy possibly on track to be uh, in camp and vying for the starting quarterback uh, job for the 49ers. But there's no doubt in my mind, I did not expect this today. I would be lying if I said I expected this today. Um, mm -hmm. But I think for me, it definitely felt like the options began to shrink. As you heard, he wants to stay closer to Miami. He wants to be near his kids. And it would really have to be something wildly special for him to consider moving far away. And to me, the only thing that really fit was San Francisco. Mike Jones, you think this is really it for real, for real? I mean, again, he seems sincere, but I mean, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, you know, I mean, could things change? Could he change his mind or, or from, from what you're seeing and what you're hearing? Is this really it for the GOAT? I guess you never say never, right? Um, but just everything, you know, as the reasons that Charles just listed right there with seeming like options were drying up um, with those options, uh, limited options being moving farther away from his family, uh, which is something that, you know, we've heard that he did not want. It does seem like this is it. There's a different tone in his words now than what they were last year, this time when he retired. You could always tell last year, it sounded like he was hanging up out of obligation more so than desire. There wasn't a, a feeling of peace um, in his words. You almost could sound like he was like, well, you know, I need to, it's time for me to be a dad now. You know, my family's right. given up a lot. I'm being so. summoned. Yeah. Right, right. But now you could, there, there was a tone of finality um, in his words and his expressions. Yeah. And I think that he looked at, you know, he needed this past year, which was tumultuous. It was frustrating. It was draining. And he probably like looked at, okay, what are the options? And do I really want to put myself through another year? Because there's no guarantee that you're going to get that storybook uh, ending, which he said after the end 
uh, when they lost in uh, Tampa to Dallas, he's like, you know, yeah, you like the storybook ending, but you just don't get it. I think he realized, you know what? Forever. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't want to put myself, you know, through this again. But listen, and I'm not trying to, I, I, I'm not trying to keep him from retiring. I mean, we've had him for long enough. Okay, let, let, let the man have, have the rest of his life. But is there a chance that, you know, listen, he's he's still in phenomenal shape. Is there a chance, Charles, that uh, he takes a year off? And 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 maybe next and see what the landscape is next year and comes back or or is this just like you know what once he's out he's out um, no matter how good of shape he may keep himself in in his mid forties mid to late forties. Well, I mean, like Mike Jones said, you know, those are Brady's words last year. Never say never, right? And that's how we knew the door yeah. was open, and that's how it felt like, hey, this was already starting to reverse course. Um, do I think you could take a year off? Yeah. I mean, do I think you could take a month off and maybe feel differently? Remember, free agency still doesn't yeah. really open for six weeks. Um, yeah, I think that's possible. And to me, I think the <laughs> I'm with I'm with Mike Jones here. Like this definitely felt like a different vibe watching that video. I was like, oh yeah, this kind of feels like it. Like this this does not feel yeah. like an obligation retirement. This feels like an emotion. Um, like he's he's well, just it was, sort of well, it was, well, it was his it was his words not in statement form. It right. was him on exactly. camera as opposed yeah. to releasing some PR statement. Right. So it's definitely the, hit differently. Yeah, and there was some simplicity to it and just sort of like, hey, I already did the big emotional thing a year ago. Like, I'm not yeah. going to do that again. Yeah. It felt like a very, there's some finality in his mind. Now that said, Tom Brady is a competitor. I think if Tom Brady looks back at 2022, I think the feelings, and it'll be interesting because I think someday he will end up talking about this, whether he comes back or not. But I think that there may be this lingering feeling that, you know what, 2022, in a way, I don't want to say it was stolen from him, but he went through so many things privately and which were not private at all. They were on page six every day. We talked about it constantly. Obviously, uh, his divorce, um, the FTX stuff that he went through during the course of this season, um, obviously the injuries on the football field. I don't think there's any way Tom Brady gets away from this, whether he comes back or not, and doesn't look back at 2022 and say, you know what? I feel yeah. like all these other things took away what could have been yeah. at least the more normal ending for me. I never yeah. got that normal end. And, and, and that's why even though he's won seven Super Bowls and has all the records, it's un, it feels like there could be unfinished business for him. Or maybe I'm just projecting. Maybe as I approach my mid... 40s and I can't make up my mind what I want to do from day to day. Maybe I'm just thinking that everybody's like that. Mike Jones, though, um, I guess what I'm getting at, though, is the market or potentially the lack thereof for Tom Brady because and I'm gonna go to Mike first, Charles, and then come back to you because you could tell me you told me so. But Tom Brady, speaking of his words, I think he once said, I'll retire when I suck. Now, I don't think anybody would go so far as to say he sucks. But Charles and I, Mike, we went at it a couple of weeks ago about just how good Tom Brady still is. Could this be a realization, Mike, on the part of Tom Brady, or is this is is the is the lack of a market for his services a reflection of the fact that Brady, relatively speaking, has significantly declined? What we don't know is how difficult, how much of a struggle internally it is to get himself ready again, um, back to top form. 
Um, yeah, you can look at these, you look at the opportunities, and there are a few of them that you feel like, hey, you plug him in at San Francisco and they're contending for a Super Bowl, or, you know, he can make the, the Raiders or the Jets, you know, a playoff team, you know, you feel like that. But we don't know, like arm strength and some of these, you know, physical things, mental things, was it draining for him? Was it a chore? Um, did he feel like, you know, I don't suck right now, but one more year, a little bit decline, the sucking might start right. coming. Um, you know, right. that's something that I would love to hear from him. And maybe in a few months, he'll be on there with Jim Gray and he'll be like, yeah, man, like my body felt in a way that it never had. And my brain just wasn't, you know, able to fire. I don't know. Sure. I yeah. mean, cause look, he still did finish top three in passing, um, number one in completions. Um, he still, you know, was able to execute and run this offense. If his offensive line had been better, if Mike Evans wouldn't drop so many passes, if his defense could have gotten a stop, you know, who knows how things would have played. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's not like he didn't do enough to lead a team. And so it definitely wasn't sucking, but maybe part of him is just like, hey, I don't want to suck. And this was really hard. Um, and that's yeah. why I feel like maybe I've given everything I can give. Well, speaking of Jim Gray, we now know why he was he snapped because he probably was, you know, emotional about the thought of like it, it's coming. You know, I, I know what I'm going to do, but I ain't ready to talk about it. Uh, but but Charles, again, you know, you kept pointing out he doesn't want to take hits. You know, he's getting rid of the ball as soon as he can. I mean, is is this um, reality setting in? Uh, when it comes to Tom Brady, that even though people like me still try to keep him in the top 10 and think he's the most, well, was, as, as it were now, the most dangerous person with the ball in his hand at late in the game, still has his play fallen off to where, as Mike said, he wants to avoid the cliff before he even gets to it. Well, I mean, think now we know why he had the fastest get it out time in football in terms of, you know, ball into his hands, out of the pocket. Jeff Darlington, obviously, who we all know, reported that he played this season down 15 pounds. Tom Brady's already a slender guy. You take another 15 pounds off him, I refuse to believe that does not affect his physique and his ability to recover, probably some strength issues along the way. There's a reason why he's not wanting to take the punishment. Um, I still think, and, and Michael Smith, you talked about this, hey, if he had a running game, well, again, that's, that is a function, and, and it's reasonable at 45. It would be reasonable at 46 next season. Again, it's about what is around him. Are they playing complementary football? What's the offensive look, line look like? Can they run it? Um, what are the multitude of skill options around him? Um, who's willing to keep up with him mentally and focus uh, from a focus standpoint? Who's willing to be yelled at by Tom Brady moving forward? All these different things, I think, you know, become a function of whether he still fits inside that top 10. I think you take away things, yeah. he falls down that list. You add things, he climbs up the list. Um, but I will say this, that 15 pounds, I did not know that. I knew he was thin. I knew he had clearly lost yeah. weight. We had all sort of talked about yeah. that. I did not know it was 15 pounds. And to me, you put those 15 pounds back on Tom Brady through an offseason that doesn't involve the kind of stress of the last 12 months. I think potentially his game on the field could be affected a little bit more in a positive way than I thought. Last thing I got for you guys. Um, so where do the other teams go from here? Because, you know, again, we had, like you, I think you mentioned, Charles, we were listing teams that could potentially use his services, even if for a year, San Francisco, given the injury slash recovery uh, situations they have with their two young quarterbacks or even the Raiders, um, if not the Bucks. So, um, 
Mike, are we looking at the Jared Stidham era in Vegas, the Kyle Trask era in Tampa, and who knows who's available? Maybe it's, maybe it's Trey Lance before Brock Purdy in San Francisco. Where do these teams go from here since they're not turning to Tom Brady, Mike? Well, I've heard that the Bucks, if Brady was going to leave, the Bucks plan to be aggressive and go after a veteran guy. And one person said, hey, Derek Carr could be an option for them there uh, because um, he's a veteran guy, uh, played at a high level, even though he didn't have, you know, the greatest situation around him. Um, and, you know, maybe they can continue to try to retool and, and not have a drop off starting back over at quarterback. I think that then, you know, it becomes more interesting what happens with Aaron Rodgers as well, um, you know, because, all right. If you're not going to be in on Brady, um, then, okay, are the Raiders a team that goes after Rodgers? Um, you know, could San Francisco, if there, there's a lot of questions about Trey Lance. And even though, you know, hey, he was injured, but their feelings for some reason have changed a bit, um, you know, about them in there. So, you know, is that somewhere he could go? I don't know. Um, uh, but I think that those veteran guys will first be up for these teams like the Jets and the Bucks and the Raiders and the 49ers. Um, rather than, you know, sticking with the backups they have there and in, in draft. Charles, what do you what's your read on where these teams go now that Brady is uh, gone to the retirement home? I think Mike Jones is on it when it comes to Tampa. I think Derek Carr is somebody that, that I will see get connected there. Um, but I don't think Tampa will be the only team interested in Derek Carr. I think for the Raiders, now you're sitting there staring at the draft and saying, well, look, if it's, you know, is Stidham a bridge? And what is the draft talent? Will Levis, uh, C.J. Stroud, what happens with Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson out of Florida? Um, there's going to be you know, some quarterbacks that I think get pushed up the draft board as some of these teams that could potentially have been on Brady. Indianapolis is a team that could have been in on Brady. Obviously, we talked about the Raiders. Um, you know, all, all those teams, I think, are now going to start to bunch up at the top of the draft because they know, hey, there's not this bridge situation where we have one flourish, one shot in 2023 if we were to take a, a, a swipe at Tom Brady. Um, you know, Rodgers, I think now, Brady's the first domino. Now it's Rodgers. What's going to happen with Rodgers? You stay in Green Bay. Is there any one in a million shot that Kyle Shanahan would still be interested in Aaron Rodgers in San Francisco? Doubtful, given the fact that they don't have a lot of draft assets at this point to move. Um, but as Mike Jones said, I do think there's a change in uh, the the wind around Trey Lance. I don't think the the belief in him, yeah, it's it's lacking a little bit there. I think the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. I'm telling you, I don't think that's necessarily dead either because of ownership. So it gets Brady out of the way, and I think it just focuses a handful of these teams that might have wanted some kind of an outside shot um, at him. But it definitely puts Tampa squarely in the middle of the Derek uh, Derek Carr market, which I think will will matter to to a couple of franchises. Pro Bowler Derek Carr. I uh, appreciate you guys perspective and uh, appreciate you guys helping me process this show. We'll be talking hey, to you all again very, very soon. It was an honor to be on with you. Yeah, <laughs> on a Wednesday. <laughs> Man, the rarities. <laughs> That's sad. That's sad. <laughs> this, 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 how, how far we fallen when, you know, y'all got to thank me for being on my own show. I appreciate it, though. I really do. It's, a, it's an honor. He called it an honor. <laughs> the honor was mine, Mike. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, well, J.J. Watt has got some company uh, in the good old retirement home. Um, Shouting out Tom Brady, greatest of all time, no question, no debate. It's been an honor and a privilege. The newly retired group meets on the golf course every morning at 10 a.m. Drinks are on the new guy, so bring your wallet. Um, that's good stuff right there. And uh, as we are joined now by my good friend, uh, Shalise Manza-Young from Yahoo, one of the best columnists in the country. Jim Trotter, um, also one of the best columnists and reporters in the country, but uh, your regular host. <laughs> On brother from another, you're, you're, he needs no introduction uh, at this point. I need the introduction more than Jim Trotter does uh, from NFL media. Um, Jim, his, uh, yeah, and Shalise, it's, it's, it's a full circle moment for us. Uh, both of us were on the front row of those Patriot press conferences back in the day, uh, in the early days of the dynasty. But Jim, historian that you are, I want to ask you something. I've never, and both of you really, but Jim, start with you. I've never felt comfortable with, and Michael and I have gone back and forth, Michael Holly and I have gone back and forth on this for a long time, with Tom Brady as greatest player in NFL history. Greatest quarterback, greatest player at the game's most important position, but I refuse to say that Tom Brady was a better football player than Jerry Rice, a better football player than Lawrence Taylor, a better football player than Reggie White, a better football player than Jim Brown, who I wasn't old enough to watch live, but you get, you, you, you get what I'm saying. Is he the best player, regardless of position in your mind? But, or, 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 or is he with me that you got to qualify? Well, it depends on what your definition of greatest player is. So how do you define it? Because um, you can take it any direction you want to take it. I would say he is the greatest football player I've ever seen simply because of his dominance at one position and the most important position on the field. Okay. Look, I'm a San Francisco native, born in San Francisco, and I and grew up watching the 49ers and Raiders and said I would never say there was a quarterback greater than Joe Montana. And then Tom Brady came along, and I have to give Tom Brady his, his flowers. He is the greatest um, quarterback that I've ever seen. I think for me as well, watching him leave New England and then to see what he did in Tampa after he left, because there was always that debate. It's a Brady is a Belichick. It's a Brady is a Belichick. And I'd always said it's both, but then to see him go on to Tampa 
and do what he did there in that that first season. Um, so I, I wouldn't have an argument with 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 anyone saying he's the greatest football player ever. It just depends on what your definition yeah. of, of of player is. Yeah, and Shalise, I don't mind him being anointed as the greatest player ever. Certainly got an, a strong argument for it. Nobody's more accomplished. It's just hard for me to say that he's better than somebody was at their job that either redefined the position uh, like like a Lawrence Taylor did or whose records will never be touched like a Jerry Rice did. It's just hard for me to do that just given the, the, the specificity of those positions and how different their jobs were, Shalise. Yeah, I think it's hard to compare. You know, it's a different skill set, um, but it's you're sort of maybe picking nits. I mean, he just, when you think about the expectation that he had when he was chosen 199th overall, you think about he was the fourth quarterback on the on the depth chart at one point, then he was a third quarterback, and the, yeah. what had to happen in order for him to get to play with the Drew Bledsoe injury, and then for him to take off the way he did, I think it's just really incredible i think the the unexpected nature of what we saw from him you know it, it really lends itself to the idea that he is the greatest ever because nobody he might have expected it once he was finally yeah. drafted but nobody expected that you know we would be that's, sitting that's here fair. you know 25 23 years <laughs> later and quarter century <laughs> later yeah <laughs> yeah it's say, crazy you know, it's really incredible. It's really, it, it's weird to me, and I've said it a lot lately, is it almost feels like he's been so good for so long that we've almost lost sight of how incredible it all really was. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's well said. I mean, listen, um, he's, it wasn't bagging groceries, uh, but there's no more, there's not a more incredible story uh, in NFL history than the rise uh, and, and sustained excellence of Tom Brady. And you're right. Nobody has done it better longer. Nobody's done their job better for a longer period of time than Tom Brady. Yes, Jim. I'll say this to you, Mike. You were saying that you don't see anyone ever breaking Jerry Rice's records. And I would push back on that a little bit from this standpoint. When I see the way the rules are going in the NFL today and the way that they're opening up passing games and whatnot, I would not be shocked. Mm -hmm. I would be less shocked if somebody broke Jerry Rice's records as opposed to somebody doing what Tom Brady has done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When you win seven played, championships. Yeah. Oh, the, forget the championships. Oh, the championship. Oh, I'm, yeah, that's yeah, that ain't happening again. <laughs> right. That ain't happening. Right. Again. Yeah, no, you I know no, I'm with and, you on that. And, and the other part too. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was thinking of Jim Brown as well with what he did, you know, played nine seasons, had eight rushing titles in nine seasons. You know things like yeah. that. So there are some records that yeah. that I, that record I cannot see anyone breaking. But Jerry yeah. Rice's, I would not be shocked if someone did, based on how the game is going. No, no, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. The longevity is 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 uh, is, is is Brady's got that uh, you know on his side more than anybody. No, I was just gonna say how he reinvented himself. You know, Shalise and I, we, we you know we we covered Tom Brady. Think about what he was in a one. <laughs> 02, 03, 04, 05, what he, what he then became, you know, in the middle of his career, toward the end of his career, he, he evolved as best he could for somebody who could never take part in the RPOs and the option football, but he, he evolved with the times and, and with the most the spread out offenses and, you know, just the high flying game because early in his career, he wasn't that guy. Um, 
want to pivot to, um, to to head coaching developments. All that trouble in Miami, and he's not going to team up with Sean Payton, as it turns out. Sean Payton's new quarterback <laughs> is Russell Wilson. Now that Denver uh, has has hired Sean Payton, I for one, Chalice, think that Denver got Sean Payton for a bargain. I think a first round pick this year and a second round pick next year and seventeen to twenty million dollars, whatever it is, that's cheap for what the, for what Sean Payton is bringing to the Denver Broncos organization, and that's credibility. Like you want to talk about head coaches and opposite Joes, you know, they usually go opposite Joe. There is no more opposite Joes than getting Nathaniel Hackett than going from Nathaniel Hackett to Sean Payton. That is quite the come up. Okay. And given what he should mean, if there's anything left in Russell in Russell Wilson, if anybody could pull it out, it's Sean Payton. So for an organization that needs stability, for the longest time they were looking for a court or heir apparent to Peyton Manning. And before that it was heir apparent to John Elway. You know, they needed a quarterback. They needed a head coach with stability and credibility and authority, maybe more than any other organization that's looking for a head coach, given what they invested in the quarterback position to get Sean Payton money well spent, if you ask me. In other words, you're worth what somebody's willing to pay for you, Chalice. 100%. If that's what the Broncos wanted to give up and he was the one, although there seemed like they were conflicting reports yesterday that D'Amico Ryans was really their first choice, and that's a lot to give up if at the end of the day, Sean Payton was really your second choice. Um, let's not forget, too, just because I would love to shade the Miami Dolphins for this, is the Miami Dolphins also sacrificed the first-round pick for Sean Payton that they never got Sean. Um, but <laughs> <Right>. I, I, <laughs> I just, I'm, it is what it is. Um, this idea that, you know, coaches step away, he took a year off, and then he comes back for this feeding frenzy. Um, I've <laughs> Sean Payton's a good coach. I'm not like the biggest Sean Payton fan, so it's hard for me to get really excited. They look and better when they go into television. You know that. They, 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 they all look the record looks I mean, a lot at least, better. <laughs> at least he only did. At least he only played it out for one year and didn't do the John Gruden like you know keep yeah. parlaying it into more and more money out of the broadcast contract or whatever. Right. But right. you know, if, if, if he, like you said, it's credibility, he has the name. Um, he has one Super Bowl to his resume. So it certainly, I assume Denver fans are happier, um, particularly after what happened with Nathaniel Hackett. But I don't know. I just, I'm not all that. I guess I'm kind of lukewarm on it. I don't know how you feel, Jim. Look, I, I, I'm a, I'm, I am a Sean Payton fan, and I, and I agree with Mike that I think that if any coach can bring something out of Russell Wilson, it's Sean. Think about this in New Orleans. When Drew Brees went down one year, they had to turn to Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and under Sean, and I'll never forget, I was at the first game Teddy played as a starter then, and Sean came into the post-game press conference. And ironically enough, it was after they beat Seattle, and Sean seemed down, you know, after a victory. And when I talked to him later about it, what he said was, I didn't do a good enough job adjusting my play calling to the player that I had taking snaps. And what that told me is that he was not one of these coaches who was going to say, you run my system or no system or you don't play. And so he adjusted and he, he adjusted to the things that Teddy did well. Go to the next year when Drew is down again and Taysom Hill has to come in. What does Sean do? He adjusts his offense to the things that Taysom Hill does well. And Taysom, I believe, ends up going either 3-1 and one or 4-1 and one as the starter during that stretch. So 
I believe that Sean will do the same thing with Russell Wilson with whatever Russell Wilson has left. Russell was never a good fit with Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett is a timing offense. Russell is not a timing quarterback. And so I do believe that that Sean Payton will get the most out of Russell Wilson, whatever is there. But I believe what yeah. Mike said is true, too. You need a credibility and you needed someone who could build for the long term. And I believe that that's what what Denver has. And let's not forget this. We can talk about him being in the broadcast booth. But that broadcast booth was not paying him what the new ownership in Denver is going to pay Sean <laughs> no. Payton. So Sean no. can rest; he can rest well on the on on his wallet um, as he goes yeah. forward. Credibility and long term. That brings me to the Houston Texans. Uh, credibility is is not a phrase often associated with that franchise, especially what they've done with David Cully and Lovey Smith the last couple of years. But sometimes you're just blessed. And, you know, they are blessed now with maybe the hottest prospect, coaching prospect. Sean Payton might have been the biggest, most established name. But to get D'Amico Ryans, who, from what I understand, was always going to be selective about whether or not he took a job. He was not going to, like, run to the first job that was there, uh, open to him. He wanted to make sure that there was an infrastructure in place that where he could be successful and, 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 you know, both on and off the field. For him to go home to Houston... Um, it's like me and my wife, Jim, and I'm sure you can say the same. Like the Texans outkicked their coverage, getting their former second round pick to come back at same as Shalise's husband did. I'll kicked his coverage to come to get to get him to come back home and be the head coach of this organization. I mean, they couldn't ask for a bigger come up um, than getting D'Amico Ryan to come from San Francisco, got the six year deal. Uh, hopefully they will stick with him much longer than they did the last two guys. But I mean, this is you talk about incredible stories, Shalise. I, they, they, they could not have done better. We'll see what they end up doing at the quarterback position. But an organization that seemingly has been has been a laughing stock gets some serious credibility in wait for it. A leader of men and D'Amico Ryans, who they know very well. I think the biggest thing, like you said, is how long are they going to to stick with him? You know, I, I I just really, really, really hope that they give him time They're to hard turn to trust, around. Aren't they? they really are. And and how many times have we seen it, particularly with black coaches, that if it goes bad for him there, it's gonna be tied to him and it's gonna hurt him. And I think that's the biggest thing for me that when I heard, you know, when the reports came out that he was their number one pick. Um, and that, you know, they really wanted to bring him back to the franchise. That's all well and good. But, you know, the, the last few years have shown that you just cannot trust. You can't trust the NFL in general, but you really can't trust the Houston Texans. And I just, I just fear for him. I don't know D'Amico. I don't know anything really that much about him or anything like that other than what, you know, has been reported. But I just fear for him that he doesn't become another, you know, they give him three years because the Texans are what the Texans are. They don't really have a quarterback right now. We all know how critical a quarterback is to success in this league. And if he's yeah. not able to, you know, have whatever they deem as the success, is this going to be, is he going to be branded with that? And it affects him long-term. I mean, Raheem Morris is still waiting for another chance to become a head coach. And Josh McDaniels is on his third chance to be a head coach. They were rookie head coaches the same year. Josh was fired after a year and a half. Raheem was fired after three and Raheem still doesn't have another job. So, you know, we all know that yeah. it's just the unfairness of it all. So I am wishing him the very, very, yeah. very best. 
I hope Nick Casario can find a quarterback. Ain't no, um, ain't no way Nick getting another coach to fire, Jim. I mean, like, like, well, like, the like the first, if it doesn't, if it doesn't go well, Nick got to be the first one to go, right, Jim? No. No, we're talking about Cal McNair his ownership. <laughs> that's so true. I, 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 I that's we're, we're not talking and, logic here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But l- let me say this to you about D'Amico Ryan's, Mike. You are absolutely right, and I know D'Amico, and we've talked over the last couple of weeks, and we've talked about Houston as well without divulging too much. And the one thing he was never going to do was simply take a job to have a job, and that goes back to last yeah. year with Minnesota, where he could have had Hold that out. Viking job, and he pulled yeah. out after the first interview. Why? because it didn't fit for him at that time, particularly with his family situation. And to me, that's a man of character to be able to say, you know what? My dream is to be an NFL head coach, but my family is more important than all of this. And so he stayed behind for another year in San Francisco, knowing that other opportunities would come along. Now, in terms of Houston, you know, again, without divulging too much, I I said point blank to D'Amico, you got to be careful about this ownership and this front office group. And D'Amico said, I'm aware of everything. And and from that standpoint, I don't know what the conversations were between him and the organization, but I can guarantee you that he has some assurances. And I would assume they were in writing. I'm making a big assumption here. Yeah. I would assume they were in yeah. writing that he is going to get the time to do it right. And look, if we're being honest here and we set aside ownership, which is a really big ask, I understand, But if we set aside ownership and we just look at the situation with the Houston Texans, it's a nice situation from this standpoint. You've got the number two pick in the draft, which means if you like these quarterbacks, you can go get one. You've got at least 11 draft picks. And I think you have the fourth most or fifth most dollars under the salary cap to do something. So when no state is going to go, but up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) he's going to have an opportunity to build this in the vision that he has for how to build a program. Mm. And mm. he is an intelligent um, coach. Oh, my goodness. Intelligent man. And he is a leader of men. So I'm, I'm so I'm glad you said that because black coaches, yeah. black coaches like, oh, he's a leader of men, which is which is a compliment. And that's important as a head coach. He's a leader of men. Uh, you know, he, he's he relates to the players. This dude is a genius. This dude is a savant. Yeah. A football savant and, and not enough black coaches, you know, it just I guess it doesn't come organically to the the conversation around around black coaches. I talked about this last year uh, with you know with the enemies of the world and the left witches of the world. It's like these are they, they're X's and O's geniuses strategic geniuses all the same. Speaking of which that leads me perfectly into the last topic. I want to get to you guys, which is a whole show in and of itself. And that's something that um, is significant, but it's no longer novel. And it's becoming so normal until it's like, yeah, there are two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl uh, for the first time. But that milestone didn't register with me immediately for one for a couple of reasons. One, Patrick Mahomes is now a regular in the Super Bowl. This is third time in four years. They've been a five straight NFC championship championship games. And Jalen Hurts' Philadelphia Eagles have been the best team in the league all year. And so when it was official that they were both in it, I was looking at it strictly from a football standpoint. It's like, yeah, they belong here. And that to me, and Shalise, you wrote a fantastic column on Yahoo as always today. And and the line I wanted to point out uh, was when you said, progress has not come easily or even quickly to the NFL, but this is a sign of progress. And the way it's so progressive for me is in the fact that for the first time, 
because Lamar Jackson's been an MVP. Steve McNair was a co-MVP. Cam Newton was an MVP. But for the first time that I can recall, the best quarterback in the NFL is a black quarterback. A lot of the better quarterbacks in the NFL are black quarterbacks. The game is being played in such a way that is often associated with black quarterbacks. In other words, even the white quarterbacks are playing the way that black quarterbacks were made to move to a different position because they played that way. Um, for all those reasons, it, it feels like we're getting to a point where we no longer have to distinguish anymore between black and white. People always say, well, when are we going to get to a point where it's just quarterbacks, which is what we're waiting on to get to that point where it's head coach. When is it going to get to a point where it's just quarterbacks? Well, we might be at that point when there are so many black quarterbacks and those black quarterbacks are dominating. Now, so I don't see this Super Bowl, at least as a watershed moment that's necessarily going to open doors because that door is already so wide open. Are there going to be double standards? Is there going to be coded language around quarterbacks? Of course. It's black people. It's America. Ain't, ain't nothing changed that much. Not, I'm not <laughs> that naive. But the progress to me is where it's like, not only are these, these guys there, they belong there. Hell, with Jalen Hurts, the Eagles have built their entire offense to suit his skill set, as opposed to once upon a time, you had to fit your square peg of your talents into a white coach's round hole, Shalise. No, and I think that's that seems like that's the progress is more that coaches came around to the idea that, oh, my quarterback doesn't have to be a six foot four inch white guy who, you know, is as mobile as the statue across the street in the park, you know, that they can, that being able to move, that being able to be a multiple threat, it helps when, right? When you're going up against defenses, if they don't know, if they can't be sure, well, the, the quarterback's never going to move. So we only have to, to account for, you know, the, the running backs and the receivers or whoever. There's another element now that you have to be aware of. You know, we saw it in the AFC championship game. What is the signature play from the AFC championship game? It was the one time that Patrick Mahomes needed to use his legs and he did to great effect. And it wasn't too long ago that, you know, we just never saw those things. And, and I think, you know, we all know Jason Reed and, and he wrote a book last year about this too. It, it was getting, it, it's been fits and starts, you know, that there was for so long this idea that black men weren't smart enough to be quarterbacks and also black men right. weren't good leaders and those sorts of things. And you had to get past that and then stop pigeonholing them that, well, yeah, we see that you're fast and we see that you played quarterback well in college, but you can't do that in the NFL. It's, it's been a progress, and I do think, and it's interesting because, you know, Mahomes and, and Hurts, they're not really that similar in terms of quarterbacks. You know, for so long we thought black quarterbacks had to do right. a certain, you know, play a certain way, and, and they don't really play that way. And it's been it's been an evolution. I think it's just been the time of coaches getting rid of those coaches who are so wedded to quarterbacks are mm -hmm. just this way and embracing the idea that success is success. And if it helps us get yeah. first downs and get to the end zone, let's <laughs> embrace it and make it work for us. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be about, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this, this evolution was inevitable. I mean, if we're being honest here, because look, what's the feeder system to the NFL? It's the college game and the college game for years has been transitioning to an RPO system primarily. 
And so from that standpoint, just from a survival standpoint at the NFL level, coaches were going to have to adjust. And so I think that this matchup or a matchup of these type quarterbacks was inevitable. And look, we can talk about the timeline here, Mike, as, as Shalise talked about in terms of the starts and stops. You go back to, I got some numbers here. It was 1969 that Shaq Harris was the first African-American quarterback to start a season opener, right? The next year, mm -hmm. um, or you go to 79, um, Doug Williams plays Vince Evans in week five of the season. That was the first time we had two black quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, <laughs> face off in a game. Um, then you go to, um, what was it? Uh, we had, I'm trying to look at my numbers here. 78 Ducks drafted in the first round, right? Over the next 20 drafts, there were only two black quarterbacks drafted in the first round after Doug was taken. So it's a slow process in terms of that and the mindset in the NFL changing. But in terms of this evolution to the quarterbacks who are playing today, the league had no ch no choice but to change yeah. or else it was not going to have people who could play the quarterback down. position based yeah. on the feeder system that was coming from the college game. No, that's 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 well said. And then speaking of coming from the college game, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, first two picks, uh, and for that matter, Anthony Richardson, maybe the first three quarterbacks, or at least three of the first four, could end up being uh, black quarterbacks. Y'all are always first. Nah, you, you know, me. you we know, appreciate that's not gonna happen. blessing the show. You know, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> Oh, you got oh they gonna prop up yeah. Will Levis? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, like, some, uh, somebody will. Let, somebody will. <laughs> let me let me let me just let me just dream. Let me dream <laughs> that Bryce Young and CJ Strong gonna be first. We appreciate y'all, man. I love y'all. Thank you so much. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. 28, 10, and 11 against the Knicks for LeBron last night. I mean, listen, we had, we had a lot of GOAT conversation. Let's keep the GOAT talk going and pivot from Brady to LeBron James. First triple-double of this, his 20th season, making LeBron the first player ever with a triple-double in his 20th season, averaging over 30 a game. Of course, last night, and scoring ain't the best thing he does. We know that. That's passed. Last night, he moves into fourth place 
all time on the assist list, passing Nash and Mark Jackson. Now trailing only Stockton Kid and CP3. He's the only nine point guard in the top 20. And of course, he trails Kareem Abdul Jabbar by 89 points for the all time uh, scoring record. Marcus Thompson from the Athletic is here. No last name, Nat is here. Uh, Marcus, I don't know if we've ever actually had this conversation, man, because it's like I'm one of those people that like Michael Michael Jordan's a GOAT full stop. I don't know if there was anything LeBron could ever do to make me change my mind. And I'm not saying I'm changing my mind because him climbing these leaderboards was inevitable. We knew he was going to pass Kareem someday if he kept up his, his play. We knew this moment was coming. We knew he'd keep climbing up the assist uh, ladder. But but watching it happen, though, I wonder. I, I've never had this conversation with you. I don't know where you stand on the goat on the goat conversation. Is is it Jordan and is Kent is, is LeBron, or is it LeBron? And if it's Jordan, is what LeBron is doing making you reconsider it? It's Jordan. What LeBron is doing is not making me reconsider because LeBron is not doing this while I was 14 years old. And that's what matters. <laughs> this is all about perfect. This Perfect. is all about like when I was impressionable, when I need, you know, when I was at home watching, like where to come fly with me VHS is for LeBron. That's not my experience, <laughs> right? That, I, I didn't have that. I didn't get robbed for LeBron's at the Coliseum Bark Station in East Oakland. I got robbed for Jordan. I right? say that. So, Speak on it. Speak <laughs> on it. To me, this is a conversation about adolescence and about like you know who who grabs you when you are most impressionable. So I understand why people who are 15 right now, I understand. Like, I thought my parents That's were crazy. Her. My daddy was crazy talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Man, shut up. That's what I was thinking. Are you watching, Jordan? But they felt the same way about the dude who was good yeah. when they were 13. So to me, there's yeah. nothing LeBron could do. I'm old, and he just caught me at a bad time in my life. <laughs> That's so well put. That's why you're the best in the game. Um, because the, the irony, I guess, and, and it's fitting. I don't know if it's irony. It's fitting that he's going to pass Kareem, who, even though there are so many people who say Kareem gets left out the GOAT conversation, so therefore he's not getting left out of GOAT conversation, Kareem still has a rightful argument to be the greatest basketball player of all time. But Nat, as much as we talk, and we talk all the time, <laughs> I never, I don't know where you stand. Now, for all I know, you may say a step yeah, Curry, you do. but I don't know where you, you know. stand on the greatest player of all time. Cause she's so young. That's so young. Like that didn't even, she wasn't even old enough to watch Michael Jordan. She ain't never I heard of that. I think she was Johnson. born in 2015. I think she was born. Like, you understand what I'm saying? MVP. Yeah. So I don't know where she stands on this and, and that it's not that LeBron is a better player now than he ever was. It, it stands to reason like, well, why would LeBron be considered the GOAT now versus the rest of his career? Because it's like, you know, he was always great. He's just now putting the crown jewel in the King's crown. So where do you stand? Is 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 it Jordan for you? Is it Curry? I don't know. Or, or, or somebody else or Magic or Kareem? And is what LeBron is doing right now in his 20th season? Is it making you rethink your greatest of all time ranking? No, not even a little bit. Um, Michael Jordan is the GOAT. And I want to be clear that I actually wasn't a Michael Jordan fan growing up. I didn't like him because Magic Johnson was my favorite player when I was younger. And when they beat the Lakers from that point on, I hated Michael Jordan and the Bulls. So just like I'm not a huge LeBron fan, I also wasn't a Jordan fan because I know everyone would be like, oh, you're a LeBron hater. Um, but Michael Jordan is the GOAT. There was a time that I came around to accepting that. And there's nothing he can do. I mean, 
I think LeBron's GOAT case is flawed anyway. For me, it's not a, it's Jordan or LeBron. Like, I never liked that he was automatically elevated to top two and that the conversation is always framed around those two. Um, The argument for him is largely, and he's a great player. He's an incredible player. He's an all-time great, so I'm not disputing that. But a lot of it is about these counting stats that he's built up over a long, long, long period of time. Longevity. yeah. Yes, it's based on longevity. And I don't see why it's greater to take longer to do something. <laughs> I don't see how that's greater than doing it in a shorter a period of time and amassing yeah. it. So it, it's kind of like a life lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, why I mean, is it it's greater great to take longer to do something? <laughs> Yeah, it's great that he's achieved all these things. It's incredible. And that he's still playing at such a high level. And so I think that's something we can applaud. But like, why does it matter if his team is has no chance of even competing for a championship? That's not relevant to me. That's just great. But yeah, no, you're not going to be the yeah. goal for that. No, that's hey, a good Mike, I'm going no, to point. I'm gonna try to use that on my wife. I'm going to be like, man, I gave you right? 10 good years. Well, I got to do 20. <laughs> I, show, I showed you, you the peak of my game the first 10. I, you know what I'm saying? I tried Thanks, to, <laughs> right. I tr- I tried to settle this with uh, a while back. I don't know if I told y'all this. I told to Michael. It's Prince and Mike. It's Prince and Stevie Wonder for me. Like, I, if if you do think LeBron is the greatest, I'm not gonna fight you over that. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'll just disagree. Speaking of a rare air, um, I'd love to get y'all take on Nikola, Nikola Jokic, averaging a triple double, 26, 18, and 15 last night. Now, this, this might sound crazy after Joel Embiid just gave him the business. But Marcus, are the voters going to give him a third straight MVP, which is like Larry Bird, Bill Russell territory? Is that what we're looking at with Jokic? Or is the fatigue going to be real and, 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 and Embiid's going to finally get his this year? Or is it somebody else? The fact that I don't know the answer to that is wild to me. Because when it was Giannis... He had no shot on the third. It was like, yeah, nah, we're not voting for you, man. Like, you need to show me something in the playoffs. But Jokic, he just has a, man, this dude has a spell on people. Like, the way he plays, who he is, how he plays. That rolled uh, their eyes. The efficiency, <laughs> like, he does. People people just love, like, him and his story. Uh, yeah. I, I think he could win. I think at some point, like, people like Natalie will force other people to rethink right and say hold on are you just giving it to him but i think generally mvp is settled way too early uh and people have already made up their mind so yeah i I do think it's possible i don't think that means he will win i do think how the season finishes people will have to find a reason not to give it to him and jason tatum might give it to him might give him a reason not to not to vote for Jokic. but it's just weird to me that a guy who can't get to the Western Conference Finals. This is just anointed. I just never seen that he before. Did, it was Marcus, like, yo, man. In the bubble. He did. Well, there's sarcasm there. That's the same eye roll. But I mean, but but now but now Natalie, they got he, he got the thing that he never had, which is he got the top team in the West. So it's even more of an argument on his behalf now. Natalie, there's the eye roll again. You're not you're not feeling this this guy. No, because okay, so now he's <laughs> he he won MVP because he did the most with least. And now he has a team and they're in the number one position and now they want to give him MVP again. It's it's bizarre. And I agree that with with Giannis, you knew it was real. He wasn't getting a third. You always know the voter fatigue, but there's a really strong push to give it to him. And I personally, and people think that I don't like Jokic, which is crazy because I converted so many people into Jokic fans. But I think Thank it's you. insanity to give someone a third MVP 
who has yet to even appear in the NBA finals, much more win one. It is very rarefied company. And all those guys have rings. They have a chip. You know, I just, it, it doesn't sit well with me. And I do think that there are other well, candidates who meet the criteria that we've always traditionally used, who are just not really being given the right consideration. Jason Tatum, Embiid, yeah. and like, it's just like this push to give it to Jokic or a desire to give it to Luka, but he just doesn't have the yeah. record. Well, they're plus 20 points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor and minus eight when he's off. So analytics loves him. I know you hate that. Uh, listen, analytics we are better, too, but they don't give him the award for it. Am I there? We go. There's a Steph reference. No, uh, but we, we are, the very, the we are very better when y'all are on the show. Like, yeah, yeah, the very reasons you might give Jokic the award, then you, you, you definitely give make the case for Steph. So Steph should have about yeah. four MVPs if that was the thing. But when he had a squad, y'all. it was like he's got some Y'all are players. the real MVPs. Y'all the real MVPs. Do people say that anymore? Or is that played out? Or is every every you can't use that no more, Natalie? It's done. It's Y'all over. the real MVP? <laughs> it's over. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.